Hey, my name is Alec, and you're listening to Lunchbox Radio. So before we get started, I wanted to give special thanks to anybody who listened to the last episode on Comic Girls, which is its own weird exploration of creative life, and I kind of turned that episode into me talking about the realities of creative life versus the fantasies, and I took a huge jump on Bakuman, that that show about making manga from the that was based on the manga about making manga of the same name that was actually penned by the guy and I forgot to say this in the um in the previous episode the guy who wrote who wrote Death Note <laughs> I think also the guy who drew Death Note I think that team did that um but yeah so special thanks if you listen to that I had a lot of fun talking about that weird, kind of heartwarming little show. Um, This week is going to be a little bit different because I'm not talking about a show proper, and I kind of want to get right into it. This might be a shorter episode just because of the topic, and that topic is the fact that I went to, over last weekend, Anime NYC. So, for those of you listening, you probably know that I give panels once a year at, um, I do panels once a year at, um, a convention in New York City called Liberty City Anime Con. And generally, I have paid for a ticket to go to Liberty City Anime Con, I have gone for free, I've, like, gone for one day, I've gone for all three days, the whole rigmarole. Um, but... I've also applied for panels over at Anime NYC. I don't believe... I think I did that last year and this year. I didn't do it the first year because Anime NYC has only been going for three years so far. And the reason I didn't apply the first year, A, was because first-year cons can be a little weird, and that was certainly true of Anime NYC, apparently. Um, from what I heard, the first year of Anime Anime NYC was interesting, but weird, because they had very little, um, what's the word, industry presence there. It was all panels all the time, so if there was an industry presence, it was like an industry panel. Um, the second year, I got, I got the chance, by the way, I got the chance to meet great people this year at Anime NYC in its third year. Um, shout out to Get in the Robot, a great anime-centric YouTube channel. They do great stuff, and they are out of New York City specifically, which I love, because it's the whole of the industry is, generally speaking, in California and on the West Coast because of the proximity to Japan. But I love that Get in the Robot wants to do something specifically from NYC and from, like, an NYC, like mindset and you can see that in actually Curtis the um black guy who hosts from to- who hosts episodes from time to time on anime on um getting the robot i met that i actually met two of the producers there who if you're listening to this i haven't forgotten you i will reach out at some point but um i also met a reporter who i need to reach out to um if she's listening hi but um, I don't want to give names because I don't want to blow people's spots up, so to speak. But 
from, from what they told, from what the people I met from Getting a Robot told me, because they had been the previous year, the second year, Anime NYC happened. It was about a fourth of the size that it is now. It is the entire now. If you haven't been, if you weren't at Anime NYC this year, it is the entire Javits Center. Every part of the Javits Center is used by just the magnitude of this thing. And so, normally I talk about shows here, but everybody always wants, especially the companies that stream us anime, want anime to be a lifestyle. And you can convince yourself of that lifestyle pretty effectively for the lifestyle cycle of a typical anime fan. Now, I will say, if you've been listening to this for any amount of time, you've probably gathered I'm not your typical anime fan. I have been watching anime and consuming it for over 20 years. Uh, you know, I, I... I have all the figures. I have all the accoutrements of being an otaku, quote-unquote. Except for, curiously, a lot of the clothes, because... Man, there's awesome anime clothes now. Like, they used to be like, hey, do you want a shirt with, like, the Cowboy Bebop logo little on the back and, like, a three-panel of, of uh, a pan like, panels of all the characters on the back that's kind of cracked at some point and a now vintage t-shirt you own and will never let go? Yeah, sure, I'll take that for, like, $26. Now you can get, like, the coolest shit on earth. If I was a, if I was a youngling now, I would be like, holy shit! I, I I can't hold on to any money because all of this shit is awesome looking. There are um the kind of coolest streetwear style thing I saw while I was at Anime NYC was um this company called Creator Guild which they make baseball jerseys out of the um, coats from, uh, what's it called, from Demon Slayer, and those are awesome. They also have one for um, Darling in the Franks, that's like a Zero Two themed one, and that one was just like, that, that's a hot garment in my brain. Um, but they also make amazing stickers. I bought a lot of stickers. I bought like, maybe $75 worth of stickers, and I used them all to cover my um, katana scabbard because it looks cool as fuck. Um, <laughs> but, so, anyway, I, this the third year of Anime NYC, it's kind of come into its own. It's this big, like, boom-on-the-scene thing. But the reason why I didn't apply in the second year, even, is because difference between Anime NYC and a con like Liberty City is that Liberty City is a small fan-run convention. They do it out of the lobby. They do it out of the lobby space of a hotel, and it's it's a very different kind of thing. In Anime NYC, you have huge industry presence. You have like every single piece of the convention is brought to you by somebody. Like, so, for example, the Anime NYC itself is powered, quote-unquote, by Crunchyroll. And then the lanyards you get when you get your, in my case, three-day pass, are 
sponsored by Fate Grand Order, the mobile game. The app is powered by Square Enix. So what I'm saying here is, is that there's a difference between a fan-run convention where maybe they get some corporate buy-in because corporate buy-in always kind of wants to be there a little to the industry is here now and we are running this show. And that comes across in the panels as well. Whereas I, as at a fan con, can fill a room wall-to-wall with a panel at something like Liberty City, the, the competition there is not... I'm not saying the panels at Liberty City aren't good, because I will probably end up doing four panels at Liberty City next year. So if you like my panels, look forward to that. I have a fourth one that I'm working on, or should be working on, or will work on eventually, I promise. Um, but the panels are more... Fa- are almost entirely fan panels at Anime NYC. Um, especially since Vic Manana is a pariah among humans now, which, thank God, he was... T- to be clear, Vic Manana was always a creep. <laughs> it's just people caught on to it more, and it turned out he was, like, the non-quirky creep that we all hate. Um, but he was always... Like, he was... Before he was very credibly molesting people. He was, like, recording voiceovers of Sermons as Krillin and handing them out to fans. Like, that's fucked, too. Um, like, religious sermons, also. Um, not just, like, talking about baked beans or some bullshit. <laughs> um, but... He, w- he was, like, a big get at a fan con like Liberty City. At so, to give you an example, I planned on going to three panels this, at, at Liberty City this, um, time, this first time I was going for all three days and the whole craziness. And what those three panels were was I wanted to go to Lupin Showing, which the room got capped in like five seconds. I didn't make it into that. Um, I went to a Pokemon panel that was, the room was capped, but it was a convert, it was questions at the voice, multiple voice actors, the um, voice actress for Ash had to go and accept an award. But multiple voice actors from Pokemon, period. And that's a huge get. When you're pro, when you have to, as a fan panel, compete against actual voice actors from anime, that's a much different conversation as to who gets in, what gets in, what gets put where how all that works. The third panel I went to, which was actually the first panel I went to, but I'm trying to bury the lead here, was I went to Anime News Network panel. And if you're listening to this show and you don't know what Anime News Network is, I'm, like, genuinely happy because you should go to AnimeNewsNetwork.com. Um, but because Anime News Network is like, the place that writing about anime happens on the internet. Like, and it happens other places, but Anime News Network, all they're about is anime, occasionally manga. If, um, Chris, if, um, the head publisher, um, Christopher McDonald is to be believed, they have, like, 
a place in their heart for music and they can't let it go, but it doesn't do well enough. But if you are ever, if you're interested in anime as more than just like a little, as more than just a hobby, if you are at an anime convention, it's probably a good idea for you to also go to a panel like the panel for Anime News Network. And the reason why I say that is because if you ever wondered how people decide what to cover in anime and why I managed to conveniently have an episode about Evangelion at the day bef- the night before it hit Netflix for streaming, it, it, the P- Anime News Network panel is really about that. Like, it, it, it just... In this case, with Chris McDonald, lots of times it's Zach Birchie, the head editor of Anime News Network. Um, it, it is um, them on a panel, and it is Chris McDonald making a f- short statement about what Anime News Network is, what their mission is, and then he just says, Q&A, and you can just ask them whatever questions you want. For example, my two questions were, first, mine was content-related, and I asked, you know, hey, I know from when New Type USA was running, they had, they, they couldn't get, um, they couldn't get the rights to images for a story if they weren't going to guarantee that they were going to write positive things about that story, do you guys have that same issue? And he gave me, like, a long-winded, awesome answer that, like, went into the nitty-gritty of they have somebody in Japan who deals with companies, and lots of times he won't even hear about when companies are like, hey, maybe some quid pro quo, and that guy just like, it's like, yeah, I'll give it to him, and then never does. It was great. I asked another question about how they decide to keep a struggling um, feature on the site running, and he gave me another, like, long-winded, very detailed answer on how they deal with that. Um, But it's a great... It's a great look into how they cover what you read on the site every day, or every couple days, or however however often you go to it. Um, But it's also... It's a, it's act. So, this is the real gift of going to anime conventions, and I learned this going to first um, Liberty City, and then like when I first went to Liberty City before I did this podcast way long ago. Um, and when and I learned it again going to this convention, is it puts you in the same room as people who are responsible for the stuff we love. And what I mean, and people were responsible for thinking seriously about the stuff we love. Yes, you can go and you can watch a Lupin premiere, which I didn't make it into. Or yes, you can go and you can talk to the you can shout you can shout questions at the um, Pokemon voice actors, and that's fun and that's great. And I will not begrudge you if you're like, oh, I want to go to the Pokemon panel because I totally did. But what you will really get, what will really happen is you will, at some point, be walking around and you will meet a producer from 
a great YouTube from a great YouTube channel that's putting out great thoughtful content about anime like Getting the Robot, or you will, you know, be able to be in a room with Christopher McDonald, the actual publisher of Anime News Network, and you'll be able to ask him questions about the work of talking about anime on the internet or the work of writing about anime, period, end. And that is really valuable. Because the thing... The thing that ultimately makes doing this podcast valuable to me, like giving this podcast to you guys valuable to me, is I get to puzzle through anime, and I get to talk about anime in a way that, you know, my people in my everyday life don't really... Don't, don't really care, honestly. They don't really care that I have a whole scenario about the familial relations and the, like, familia hierarchy in of the main Pokemon cast in which somehow Ash is Gary's uncle and Mr. Mime is fucking Ash's mom. Like... My immediate family doesn't care about that, but you guys are probably like, "Oh wait, what?" I'm and and, you, and in your brain you go through that whole how that possibility is now, don't you? Don't you? And that's what's great about this for me. And the thing, but I had the audacity to be able to, after two decades of watching anime, and one of the much of one of those decades listening to anime podcasts have built up a knowledge base that allows me to talk about it and to once in a blue moon when the wolf howls at 45 degrees and, like, the sun hits the moon and the moon hits the ocean and a portal opens up right about anime, um, which I have done. You can go, you can look for Alex Cohan on Medium and you can see... I have written four articles. You should be able to read three of them. The third one, the fourth one, is not accessible unless you're a premium member. Um, but the <laughs> because Medium literally reached out to me and was like, "Hey, your article's really good. <laughs> we think that you can make money from this, and also we can make money from this. How about we make that happen for you?" And I was like, "Yes, please." And I got. A dinner out from that. I got 13 bucks from writing about anime and Hollywood award shows. Which means I have written about anime professionally. Yes, sir. And that makes me so happy. Um, but the thing about... So, yeah. Uh, going to a big corporate sponsored con like Anime NYC puts you in the room with those people. And that's really valuable because... If you as a fan, like I as a fan wanted to, want to do more, want to do something with your fandom, want to like put something out into the world, those are the best resources. And, you know, not everybody has, you know, is friends with Zach Virtue on Switch. <laughs> not everybody, you know, has the audacity to DM somebody on Twitter. Um... And it's it's great to have the opportunity to ask those questions. And also, it's great to learn more about the 
the industry of journalism that surrounds anime because that will give you a better appreciation for anime. It will give you give you a better appreciation knowing all those things and seeing those people and seeing that you that being a fan of anime doesn't just mean that you have to sit in your bedroom and pump it into your face holes for hours on end. That's not that's not the only part of it. You know, you can do something with your fandom that puts something positive out in the world. Like my podcast. I hope. I hope. Um, but also, going to Anime NYC was like a maximalist version of anime fandom for me. And, and so, like, I... Like I said, I've been watching anime for 20 years. I, there are people in my family who will tell you that my first movie being Beauty and the Beast like set me on a hopeless path that I have never strayed from of loving animation and then consequently loving anime at about age 10 and I was lost to the dark side forever. Um, But... You know, it, it gives me genuine joy to, like, collect figures and, you know, get cool anime shirts and see cool anime fan art and all that stuff. And anime con that's what Anime NYC had in droves. To give you um an, an idea, the artist alley for um something with Liberty City is a lot of great amateur artists. They're really in. They do really interesting stuff, but they they're of a caliber with like because anime, because Liberty City Anime Con is a smaller convention. It can be home to like amateur thinkers and and like you know smaller scale stuff. And I'm not I'm not trying to throw a, a Liberty City under the bus. I think it's a great convention. I think it's really well run. The staff at that convention is amazingly helpful. They are like <laughs> nurturing souls, and I love it. So, to give you a great um, story, uh, and a couple of the staff members probably that I that worked with me as a as a panelist are probably listening to this. So, thank you so much for all of your help. But I had a staff. I had a um convention staffer who in my mommy and daddy hate you panel which some of my listeners may know me for from came in er, came in i i got there 15 minutes early because i knew i had set up and all that stuff i was a responsible panel uh panelist um but he came in and he was like are you good this is a big room are you good i'm like yeah 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 i'm good i'm good i'm good i'm good i'm good I'm, like, setting up, trying to make sure my computer's working, and, like, because I have an old-ass computer. If you've ever seen my 17-inch MacBook at a panel, you should know I got it when I graduated college in 2010, and it is, it, it's helping me record this podcast right now. It's a fucking awesome winner of a computer that, until literally a week ago, there was no viable option to replace <laughs> At the same form factor. <laughs> but, um, so 
he like I'm like I'm good. It's cool. And he's like, look at me. Just breathe. And like I didn't. I was like I'm fine, man. And then like I did it just to placate him. Like. He's like, you're good. I'm like, yeah, apparently I am good. Awesome. That was better than I thought it would be. And then he's like, and now I'm just going to open these doors. And eventually I'm going to shut these doors because the room will be capped. And that panel went off without a hitch. I will credit that man for doing that. But <laughs> for helping me do that. But. Because Anime NYC, Anime NYC is once again, like I keep saying, corporate sponsored and like heavily corporate sponsored, they can go for things like they can get the Javits Center and the whole Javits Center for three days, which is prohibitively expensive, I'm sure. And they can also, like, they can bring the 40th anniversary Gundam exhibit. They can bring, like, like so. This is something that's true of comic of San, of any comic con at this point, but San Diego and New York especially. Uh, there's a there's certain prestige that comes with recognition, and what I mean by recognition is you uh, we as fans don't really think about it, but we appreciate having money spent to impress us, if that makes any sense. And what I mean by that is, at Liberty City Anime Con, it's a fan-run con. They are, like, the con, other than renting the space for a period of time, which, you know, if they do it year over year, they probably get a good deal on that. Um, they run that thing for pure profit. The corporate sponsored con like Anime NYC does run it for pure profit, but the um, participants like Bandai, like Fate Grand Order, like, you know, XP Pen was there, which is a drawing tab. They're a, um, I believe they're Chinese made, but they're a drawing t tablet competitor to Wacom was there, and they brought like, all, like their latest products that they barely released on the market yet. Like, they, they had a, I tried to drawing tablet there that was not out yet. It was awesome. Um, I, I draw a lot, but it was awesome. And the thing with them is, is that they largely do that stuff solely to, like, as a selling point to you, to let, to let you, the fan, know we are here and we are here to stay and, like, we, like, Fate Grand Order had a massive, like, display and booth with, like, 10-foot freaking tall prints of the fate of, like, the newest and awesomest fate characters from specifically, like, the Japanese cast of, like, servants. And it was this big bonanza thing. And it is it is awesome to go to a convention and like see that and realize like they spent that money on us. It it may so something we can forget because we are anime fans. We are otaku, not in the primary generation point 
of generative point of anime, and that's Japan. Something that we can forget, because we're American otaku, is that we are valuable as consumers. And the reason why that's important is because uh, if you look at a show like Cowboy Bebop, which is an infamously legendary show, Cowboy Bebop did not take off in Japan. It took off in America. The same is true of um, Trigon. And those shows taking off in America changed the life cycle of those shows. Those shows are now infamous. And that's true of, I'm sure, many other shows that I can't pull out of my skull right now. Um, but that's, that is a factor of us as consumers having importance. And, what, and wh while that, why that's important, ultimately to us, is it means that we'll get services that are as good as services that Japan gets, and in many cases better than. For example, Crunchyroll is, from what I remember, blocked in Japan. And, you know, uh, Crunchyroll is, for all of its faults, a great streaming service. It is many times better than other streaming services because it's many times worse. There are funk there's funky shit about everything, but... It's a great service, and it's a great value for the money if you are into anime. Um, you know, the deconstruction of the magazine format for Jump. In Japan, you can still go to a newsstand, you can buy Jump off of a newsstand, no problem. But here we can't. But what that also means is, is that whole sections of Shonen Jump storylines like um, Demon Slayer, you have to jump in. You would have to jump in midpoint or buy all the back issues. Now with Jump Vault, which is an amazing like manga service, you can jump into Demon Slayer at the beginning and go all the way up to current without. And just pay the monthly subscription of I think like two dollars or something. It it Shonen Jump is like one of like Shonen Jump Vault. The Vault is like it feels bad to pay for it because you feel like you're not paying enough. Because holy shit, there is so much to read on that service. Oh my god. Um, but the. Um, what's it called? So my point is, is that going and seeing, like, all of these vendors and all of these corporate, super corporate vendors spend all this money to do these great things is, like, dazzling in a way. The other thing that's great about Anime NYC is the artist alley is incredible. You see all kinds of different artists and all kinds of amazing work. Um, there's a great one that's I, I think it's um, that I saw that I got a bunch of stickers from called I think she's Sinister, Sinister Squids on Etsy. But um, 
She signature squids on everything. But I'm pretty sure that that's the um place I got these like great cubes stickers from, and they're just like cubes of food. So like I have one that's um a cube and it's a burger. I have one that's a cube, and I forget which one I put on. Oh, I put the cube that was Pocky on my uh, on my katana scabbard, and just like. Those those artists are incredible. They are like knock it out of the park incredible. I, but the, I will say the only reason why I wouldn't go in an art alley because I don't draw fan art. I draw almost entirely original characters and original scenes. Um, they're obviously anime inspired, seriously anime inspired, but they're not. I, I I'm not. I'm not great at imitating someone else's immediate style, and why I mean that, I mean, like, even a character design gives me trouble lots of times. The drawing of Lukoa that I did for Inktober took me, like, an hour and a half, man. <laughs> it took a long, like, like, probably more than an hour and a half. It took me a long time. And I sat with references on the TV in front of me so I could be like, okay, this goes like this, this goes like this, this goes like this. Like, I went line by line for that thing. Um, I didn't trace it, but I went line by line. Um, the, so it, it just, it, as, con as conventions go, what I, what I have found is that the smaller conventions are good for little things like, You'll find really insightful and really interesting fan panels lots of times at both conventions, but more at a at a fan run convention like um what's it called like Liberty City. Also, like you'll find that stuff at stuff like Otacon, um, which I would really love to do panel that. Um, but I I need to, I need to know when the application date is for Otacon to do panels at Otacon. But um really insightful and thoughtful think, thinking out loud about anime that's either entertaining or in, or instructive can often be found at smaller fan run cons because they don't have because those panels don't have to worry about competing with the massive industry panels like when I when I opened up the app and I was scrolling through panel to look for my, um, I had a three-day pass, but I only went two days, because something came up for the Friday, um, meaning I didn't get to see Austin Walker talk to Yoshiaki Tomino about Gundam, and that makes me sad, because that would have been so much fun, so much fun, but, um, I'm, if that gets archived somewhere, I hope that gets archived somewhere, I will totally go watch it, or listen to it, um, but the when I was looking at panels, I signed up for two panels that were one on top of the other, and one was the Anime News Network panel ran over the Funimation Industry panel. Now I went to the Anime News Network panel, and I did not regret it in the slightest, obviously. But the Funimation panel is the panel for Funimation. Like, that's also a big deal. It's not a big deal in the same way, largely, 
the Funimation industry panel is going to be a bunch of like fan questions and various announcements and blah 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 blah. And that the the thing you have to realize about big industry panels is even panels with voice actors is oftentimes they are publicity stunts. Basically, that doesn't make them any less valuable. That doesn't make it any less fun to hear the voice actor for Meowth and eventually James in Pokemon and also Gary in Pokemon um, talk about those characters in a way that is the best. I like him a lot, but it's... It doesn't take value away from those, but the more interesting panel, to me at least, is to go to like a panel with people who are in the industry surrounding anime or, you know, uh, it, I, I don't want to, and they said this in the um, Pokemon panel, they said like, hey, we may not be able to answer some questions because we are, like, we have NDAs, so, and she said, that's a non-disclosure agreement if you don't know what that means, um, but if we say we won't, we, if, you ask a question we can't, so we'll just be like, ah, ah, next topic. Um, but that stuff is valuable, but it's not, it's, enter- in many ways, it's pure entertainment. In the case of, like, a insightful fan-run panel, or a really awesome panel from the industry, from the from a different part of the anime industry, it's educational and it gives you an appreciation for anime as a whole. Also, it made me feel really weird that when I went, like, when I went to the Pokemon panel, it was like a rowdy good time, and I was like, I was not the oldest person there, certainly, but I was like, I was in the upper echelon of age of age range in that panel. In the Anime News Network panel, like, I was, like, right there. Like, people were my age. We were all, like, the olds were there. The, like, old Taku had, like, shown up in Fort to talk about anime journalism with the publisher of Anime News Network. Let's go. Um, but yeah. So, just, like, if you thought about going to Anime NYC and you're in the area or even not in the area and, you like, you really want to go, I would say that it's a great... Now, finally, massive convention. It is the world anime party that, like, you always dreamed of in your brain. <laughs> um, the only, like, magical, illusory thing that I could say is I've been to that is better than it is when I was a kid, when I was um, probably about 15, I went to the last Big Apple Anime Fest. Which, um, there used to be a thing called New York Anime Festival. That's a different convention that got swallowed whole by New York Comic Con because they were running at a weird time when anime was still, like, cloistered but hadn't broken out to be this massive thing like it is now. Um, but Big Apple Anime Fest was this, was in the time, was like one of the big three conventions in the time of the bubble. The, like, last, the, it used to be that there was Big Apple Anime Fest, Anime Expo, which is in, uh, which was in Las Vegas for a while, I think, and Otakon. And Anime 
and Big Apple Anime Fest got taken out by, I shit you not, the Republican National Convention because they wanted to have it in the, in the Times Square Marriott on the same weekend at the same time and they, and Big Apple Anime Fest didn't have enough clout to pull it off and like keep the space. So they shut down because of the Republicans. I'm not kidding. I'm really not kidding. But in the last one, this convention's gotten so big that I shit you not, they, and I might have told them this story before, they paid whatever it costs to play Princess Mononoke on the Coca-Cola billboard in Times Square. It is a, it, like, it was like a mind-melting moment for me to just, like, look up and be like, holy shit. That's Princess Mononoke on that billboard, not the Coca-Cola polar bear. This is amazing. They're selling manga in the streets. That was like, that was my first moment of, that was probably one of my first moments of like, man, anime's a big fucking deal, and it's not going away. And Anime NYC gets kind of as close to that as, I think anything can in my hopes and dreams. Although, the Coca-Cola billboard is still there. We can still do it again, man. It would be amazing. Um, but, so yeah. So, that's my thoughts on Anime NYC. I had a lot of fun going. If you're listening to this and I met you there, I have not forgotten about you. I have just life has gotten in the way as it does. Um, but I, I had a lot of fun. I encourage you as an anime fan, if you're, list, if you're listening to this, to, like, get out and, like, be with other anime fans and be with other people who get, who get the same things you get and who appreciate the same things you appreciate. It will make you feel less alone in the universe, as I hope my podcast makes you feel every week. Um, it will, like, reignite your love of the medium, um, and it'll be fun as hell. It'll be, like, you know, you'll see guys doing karaoke dressed at JoJo's. You'll see amazing cosplays. You'll take amazing pictures. You'll spend way more money than you ever should. Um, <laughs> you'll see the kinds of, like, stuff you always see in Instagram posts that want you to buy them, but, like, they'll be in front of you and you can touch them. Um, you'll see anime race cars in real, in real life. It'll be amazing. I promise. Um, <laughs> you'll walk an aisle over and talk to an artist alley girl who is going home to live in silence like a monk for a month because she had spent her entire, th- her entire three days butted up against the anime car party and the anime arcade and they're just banging noise into the back of her skull for three days solid and you'll have a laugh um <laughs> but you know it, it, it's a lot of fun I encourage you to go out and like be an otaku out in the world like you know put on your cosplay go to an anime convention and have fun 
On that note, my name has been Alex. I hope you liked this episode. I know it was an odd episode. I wasn't talking about a show. I'll get back to that next time, I promise. Um, but if you did like this episode and you want to hear more, you can subscribe in your podcast app of choice. Um, in that podcast app of choice, if you did really like me, if you've been listening for a while, or maybe this is your first episode, please give me a five-star rating. I, it really helps the show. It really helps my self-confidence. lets me know that I'm doing this for some reason other than the madness needs to come out. Um, but until next time, I've been Alex. You've been listening to Lunchbox Radio. And I'll talk to you later.